And we're live in five, four, three, two, and one. It is another edition of AGT Live. This is Coach Jason Payne here. Welcome y'all into the van. We've made it to the third week of May. That means we've survived the madness that is the six NCAA Division I regionals. We've got Michael Burson and Coach Brady Greger here, up here up front in the van. Fellas, how y'all doing tonight? It's a beautiful evening, Painter. Glad to be here. Man, these cacti do not produce as many, as much shade as the trees on the East Coast. I'll just say that. Hey, Brady, what's the thing that stings you when you're just close to it? The jumping choy? Is that what that thing's called? Jumping choya. C-H-O-Y-Y-A. You don't have to be touching it, right? I mean, it's like it's like watching a kid make double from 100 yards. <laughs> that's why right. you, oh you know, it's, it's it's spanish too so actually c-h-o-l-l-a there you go that's why the rule is for all coaches out in at greyhawk fairway only players hit it over there in the uh ganja it's hey you're on your own and you know speaking of ganja we've got uh one of our other great co-hosts we got lance ringler chiming in all the way from arizona at greyhawk ringler how's yeah, it going so- out there so far well, can you guys turn the air up since I'm in the back of the van? It's a little stuffy back here. <laughs> hey, we're getting, you know, used, getting used to that heat that you're going to be spending 12 days in. I will be staying in the media room a lot because the sun and the heat, uh, can't deal with it. <laughs> and it's a good thing we've got uh, the Wi-Fi hotspot here in the van because we've got Ryan Frazier of Agora Golf joining us to crunch some numbers, seeing how things shake out. Frazier, good to hear, have you along for the ride. It's always great to be here. We're going to talk some regional wrap-ups, talk about who made it and, and who just missed. I guess we can go ahead and maybe start at the New Haven Regional at the Yale Golf Course, since that is one of the courses that have been around for a while and has hosted some regionals before. What's your take on the five teams advancing there out of New Haven? Yeah, I mean, I don't think anything's shocking, right? I mean, North Florida is good every year. Scott Schroeder, maybe for my money, the most underrated guy in the country. Uh, George Southern is is always around. Um, so, you know, maybe a little surprised to see Illinois struggle. I mean, their lineup, they've got, um, you know, a really young kid playing too in Pearson Hunt. So, um, you know, maybe a little bit of a surprise there. Kind of sad to see Charlotte bow out. They had such a great year. Uh, and then NC State. So um, I don't know. I'm, nothing shocking. I, I think the five teams that advanced are, are solid programs year in and year out. Uh, only surprise for me was maybe Illinois. And, and when we talk about those five teams, obviously Wake Forest was able to take the regional championship at 26 under, followed by a very strong North Carolina team, Texas Tech, Ospreys of North Florida that you mentioned, and Georgia Southern grabbing that five spot. They've had a very solid year as well i think maybe we were all a little disappointed that seton hall was just right real close finishing eighth how great would have been to see seton hall get through ringler yeah but i still you going back to illinois i mean this program had made it to 13 consecutive ncaa championships and that streak was snapped so I, i mean not many teams can put together streaks of four or five and illinois did it 13 straight years so i think that's definitely worth a minute or two of talking about that program and 
being able to accomplish that. So that I think was the, I mean, granted, you know, the other headlines there and, and the, the feel good stories and whatnot. But I think that's, the, that's the biggest story coming out of there is this Illinois uh, 13 straight in a row snapped. There's probably some mad club pros somewhere because now Max small probably falls into some <laughs> sectional event at the end of May that in Illinois is going to cash in big checks. Right. Right. Yeah. It's just a incredible run for them. And, and I'm sure they'll be back and, and get another streak going at some point. But, uh, I think that was probably the, the big one there. As far as the other ones go, you know, I think North Carolina was had such a really good fall season, kind of maybe slipped a little bit this spring. But, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how they do. Texas Tech should be a team that could get into the top eight after 72. And and I agree with about North Florida coach Scott Schroeder. I mean, what, definitely maybe one of the more underrated guys in the country. Yeah, you know, for uh, North Florida, you know, he, he's an alum there. And they get a lot of uh, mileage out of that guy and the work he's done over the last, you know, 15 plus years there in Jacksonville. On the individual side there, New Haven, Austin Greaser picking up the win at 10 under for North Carolina. So pretty unique spring for him with the tournaments he's been able to play in and picking up a, a nice regional win is, is pretty awesome. Yeah. And I mean, the big question of the week, Painter, is, you know, Pizza. Who had the best white clam pizza? I mean, Sally's is my favorite. I I may have uh, geared uh, Coach Collins to Sally's, but I mean that's the hit in New Haven. I, I'm I'm sure Ringler's hit that up before. I've not been there. Mm. Pizza yeah, in New I, Haven, <laughs> solid spot. I've never been to New Haven either. I've always wanted to go, and and Colin has invited me to their tournament a few times. But we've never been able to make it work logistically. So yeah, I did see Georgia Southern made it to Pepe's. So. They had some good pie. Is that a place you frequented, uh, Frazier? I want to say I frequented, but the when PGA Junior was there, uh, I drove the hour down to go eat there. Okay, I like it. Hey, well, like whatever it. it did, it was working for Georgia Southern. No doubt, yeah. I need to order that thing up for delivery all the way to Greyhawk and <laughs> get that thing brought in. Um, probably, probably not a lot of white, fresh white clam pizzas in Statesboro. <laughs> I don't know. Not last time I was there. I do think that's probably though of this regional my uh, standout team because I mean I, I'm pretty positive looking back that group of freshmen that Coach Collins brought in. I mean, midway through the fall they were obviously a great player in Ben Carr leading that team, but. They were staring 75th ranking in the face and just had an unbelievable spring to get where they were and uh, get the at-large bid and then obviously played well in advance. No, no doubt. Anytime you take a program like Georgia Southern, a non-Power 5 program, and make it the way to the finals, what a great accomplishment that is. Now let's turn our attention out there to the Norman, Oklahoma regional, the regional that was – Kind of a little bit controversial picking up where the Tuscaloosa Regional couldn't fill in. And at this regional, Coach Gregor, you being an Oklahoma native, give us a quick rundown of uh, the highs and lows there. Well, the the roundabout story for a lot of teams that weren't from there was the heat. It was pretty uh, – had an Oklahoma scorcher come in. But um, I think the, the there's a wheat or something. Haven't been, been around – away too long but there's a type of wheat that's in bloom obviously they're not dealing with pollen out there but there was a lot of guys that allergies kicked up and you i mean 
you, you saw that right down the street at Southern Hills the whole time. So had the, uh, had the kind of dust bowl of some sort going on in that heat and, uh, uh, good, good, good regional though. Obviously you had the, the home team, the Sooners taking the regional championship at 26 under followed by Auburn, Ole Miss, Texas coming in fourth and Utah grabbing the fifth spot there to advance to the finals. I think what was it regular the first time since 1988? Yeah, it's the first time that Utah has made the national championship, uh, made the finals since we went to a regional format. They had made it in 88 and I think 89 was the first year for regionals in, in, in men's division one golf. And they'd made it a few, they'd made it like four or five other times back in like the sixties and whatnot. But uh, first time since the regional format. So uh, pretty, it's always exciting when you see a new program get there, but guys, the, the story here is, can I please get an Oklahoma Auburn match in, in at some point in match play out here at Greyhawk, <laughs> because the tweets that went back and forth were, were classic. Nothing you see like, you don't see that very often in college golf. And it was so good when, when Auburn went out that second day and said they brought the boomer. And then uh, I, and I, I even tweeted back at him, don't poke the bear. And then Oklahoma came back and drilled him. So I, that would be a phenomenal matchup. In, in I think play. Oklahoma's uh, comeback tweet was won the war. Yeah. I think how they phrase that. So won the war over yep. uh, war eagle and war Auburn, eagle so, yeah. yeah i mean it's just i mean that's that, that's that's the kind of stuff that just makes college golf fun if we can get more of that uh and that, that was awesome to see all that play out and all the kids you know tweeting in different different sayings and whatnot so I, i'm man if we can get an auburn oklahoma matchup that'd be just be awesome i mean you, you gotta know. go with the take the toilet paper back to tumor's corner <laughs> I mean, can you can you roll a cactus with some uh, two fly toilet paper out there in Scottsdale? I'm sure some of those tigers will try. Not if somebody throws Roundup on the cactus. We know that doesn't work. No doubt, <laughs> didn't work at Tumor's Corner. You know, Burson, what's your take? Obviously, Texas gets through in the in the four spot, but kind of a quiet week for Texas. Not taking any way anything away because there's no doubt. You know, fourth place is really just as good as first. But um, for a team that was so hot through the spring, they kind of flew under the radar a little bit out there, Norman. Yeah. I mean, they got the job done. You know, it, it never got too scary. I mean, I think the difference for them really is when you look. I mean, Cole finished T40th. So, um, you know, if he's uh, somewhere, you know, around where the cooties were at T23, T17, I mean, then, you know, then they're, they're, kind of snipping in Oklahoma's heels. So, um, I mean, that's the advantage of having the, having the depth, right? I mean, when Mason Nome is your five man, uh, it's a pretty good spot to be in. So, uh, I'm not worried about them. You know, we know Cole's going to be ready to go and, um, they did just enough to get done and, and, and they'll be ready. Also, you... Go ahead, Brady. I was just going to say interesting take here as I'm diving into the stats as we're looking so far, at both regionals we've looked at, no team that made a substitution has got through. <laughs> Just something for coaches to think about. Obviously, Brady, when we're looking at the teams that even did not advance, I think it's always important to recognize the team that just missed. That's the Gamecocks of South Carolina, team that really had a really solid spring, ranked 24th in golf stat. Missing by six, had a strong first round. 
Obviously, the future could look pretty bright for the Gamecocks. Yeah, had some young guys step up really big out there, and uh, I think I think it's crucial on any team the amount of players you can return to the postseason, whether that's regionals or making it all the way to nationals, just being there, going down the home stretch, and you got to hope uh, whatever team's just outside that red number, if they get back to regionals and they're in the fire next year or the year after, I mean, that that experience goes a long ways. Um, a lot of the guys, um, not just for the Gamecocks, but all across the country, that's, that's the first time they've been in that situation. And uh, I do think that it'll uh, pay dividends in the future. On the individual side, Jackson Suber, Ole Miss, picking up a big win. Frazier, obviously, you've got Sue picking up the win, but getting some head-to-head wins over guys like Goderup and Cootie and um, kind of goes a long way. Ryan Hall, he picks a good win up there. Yep, yep. Suber, uh, he's got a – you know, he's jumps to up, up number eight in PJ Tour U, and um, he'll have a chance to have a good finish out in uh, – Greyhawk to perhaps jump into the top five, depending how uh, the four, five, and six guys play. Man, that'll be, that'll be great to watch. And obviously, uh, that even isn't something good to tweet out, just to even almost throw some pressure on those players that are lingering there in those spots, you know, 10 to 6 and, and 15 to 11, to give them that incentive knowing they can move up because it was good to see some movement. It, it really was. You know, last year – uh, was very boring out at Greyhawk. There was there was no real movement. Um, no one got into the top five. No one got into the top fifteen. So yeah, this year there's there's great races for the fourth and fifth spot of the top five, um, and it goes down to Goddard up at ten, or and even Amon Gupta has an outside chance. I mean, he's probably got to have to win, um, and then still have a few things fall the right way. But then the the, the top fifteen too. There's there's a lot of players that are going to be out at Greyhawk that are going to have a chance to move inside the top 15. Nice. Next, let's pay attention to the Columbus, Ohio regional there at the Scarlet course, the home course for OSU. And when we say OSU, it could be Ohio state or Oklahoma state, Oklahoma state having some success there in the past, winning a national championship and also winning some regionals Ringler. Don't the Cowboys have a big history of playing well to Scarlet Course in Columbus? Yeah, I, I didn't look up exactly how many times they've gotten through there, but it's 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 notable. <laughs> uh, yeah, they they you know, and it, and it kind of fits. I mean, the Scarlet Course is a is a really tough golf course. I think when they had the, you know, the Corn Ferry, whatever it was been called back in the days, there it was traditionally one of the hardest courses on the on the, on that tour uh, for the pros. So. Um, kind of fits maybe with Karsten Creek and they probably feel at home there. So, um, yeah, uh, you know, no surprise there. And, uh, to see them, you know, share the title with, uh, Georgia tech. Yeah. Georgia we, tech. Go ahead. I was going to say, are we all on board that the Columbus regional looks like it possibly probably played the hardest of all the regionals out there? Yeah. I mean, I think, I was just actually looking that up and maybe Frazier has some information. I mean, probably played the hardest, but top to bottom Frazier, you know, maybe not some of the, the bright lights as far as the higher ranked teams. How, how did these regionals shake out and where did Columbus fall? Is that something you looked into? I, I didn't. I, didn't oh, yeah, I, could tell, I could tell you, I mean, the Gulf Week Sagan rankings, it was by far the hardest. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was uh, they. It, it ended up being number one with with a seventy point seven power rating, and number two was stock. Actually, was Stockton with almost you know almost a full shot higher. So the difference there, I think, the difference between one and two in the regional was the same. Was almost no, almost the same as between two and five. And then six wow. was the Bryan regional. So the Bryan regional was really weak. Two through five were pretty pretty equal. And then uh, uh, Columbus was that much harder than uh, than number two. So Oklahoma State made one double uh, the entire week, guys. That is not easy to do at that golf How course. How is that no. possible? <laughs> one. They made uh, and one kid double 13, which is a brutal part three in round three, uh, and that was it. <laughs> That's golfing your ball, Painter. That is. You know, I think, too, what really kind of strikes or kind of stands out to me is looking down the leaderboard all the way to Team 12, Florida Gulf Coast, that played good all year long. They finished at 22 over. Really only 10 shots behind the fifth team, East Tennessee State. So how close that regional was from teams 12 to 6 and 12 to 5 and how thin that margin is from getting through or finishing further down that leaderboard. Very compact board from top to bottom there. Yeah, I mean, you had you look at it, you had, you know, probably down to Northwestern, Florida Gulf Coast, you know, there. I mean, you had, shoot, 12 teams in the mix there going in the last day. And, you know, if they would have had some really goofy weather in Columbus, that could have got interesting. Yeah, obviously recapping the leaderboard, Oklahoma State, Georgia Tech, tie at the top at 10 under the host team the Buckeyes get the third spot at four over 14 shots behind the leaders Arkansas gets in there at four and the Buccaneers the East Tennessee State for the second year in a row advancing all the way to the national championship they won a regional out west last year and now able to make it to Greyhawk again by grabbing the fifth spot on the on the individual side we had our boy Chikara from Oklahoma State gra- taking the lead. And uh, obviously, he's not showing up in those PJ Tour U rankings anymore, Frazier. So, does that affect anything for the other guys in that regional due to the fact that somebody who's removed themselves from PJ Tour U picked up the win? Not now. Um, the only person in that regional really of note was uh, Jacob Bridgman in PJ Tour U, and uh, his career has come to an end. But he will be—he's—he's he's a lock for the top five. He—he yeah. he can't move up or down really. So, Frazier, that actually brings in some of my questions as the ranking came out this week. You see several within the top twenty. I mean, you see some guys making as big as five. Uh, five spot jumps and Mason Anderson and Ryan Gerard. Um, talk to me about a guy like Hall who who fell three spots is not playing in the national championship. I mean, is he locked in in that top fifteen? I mean, what are we looking at there? I think we did just lose Frazier because I heard the little beep, so he must have uh, got sucked out of the convo real quick. So we might have to throw that question to him here in a minute, Coach Gregor. But while we're waiting on Frazier to show back up, how about we head out to Texas? Well, that could be Frazier right there coming back in. Frazier? Yep, sorry about that. Okay, I, uh, no worries. 
I, I, right when you started talking about what your concerns were, Brady, I lost you. So all good. Well, I was just saying several big jumps. Th- these are by far, obviously, we're seeing the effect of the bonus points. Some of the bigger jumps we've seen up and down. You had some guys get into the top 20 that moved up five spots like uh, Ryan Gerard. Um, but my question goes to like the guys like it, for example, a Ryan Hall, who is not going to be playing at the national championship. I mean, he fell three spots to 11, but is he still a lock in the top 15? I mean, virtually. Uh, yes. I, mean, I guess he's not a lock, but I mean, it'll, it'll take the, the guys in, you know, the 15 through, you know, 21 spots to really play. Uh, or I guess maybe go down. Yeah, 21. Gerard's probably the last guy. Uh, Banky, maybe. Ugh. No, I don't know if he's got enough in him. He's, he's maybe too far down. So, yeah, he's, you know, there's only there's five or six guys there that could maybe jump in and push it down, but I, I don't see that happening. I mean, yeah, it'd be rare. And break it down for the fans out there of what, what each cutoff for status is, one through 15. So the top five, they get uh, the, the Corn Ferry status. Um, right now, that's Cole Hammer at, with 1060 points. Uh, he's got one more point than RJ Mankey at six. Uh, and then six through 15, they'll alternate between uh, Canada and, and, and Latin America, um, those guys. So it's you really want to be in the, that top five. Uh, there's scenarios where RJ could beat Trent Phillips by a shot and Cole by two. And still lose, you know, still be behind them in the sixth spot. Wow! At nationals, of course, there's other scenarios. If they finish higher, um, you know, he would that that same scenario. He would jump ahead of them both. So it's the math is uh, is funky, especially with with Cole having 27 events after nationals. That that's a big divisor for him. So it's it's interesting how that the math is, can work out. Definitely. Good stuff. Now let's let's do go out to Texas to Bryan, Texas for the Regional Traditions Golf Club. The five teams advancing were Arizona taking the region title at 13 under, defending national champion Pepperdine at second, the Aggies of Texas A&M at third, fourth is Frazier's Bulldogs at one under, and grabbing the last spot are the Jayhawks. I was glad to see the Jayhawks finished in the top five. Ringler, um, Jayhawks have been pretty solid all year. Maybe not playing the toughest schedule as some other teams, but a very deserving team to be at Greyhawk next week. Yeah, I mean, they, they limped in. I mean, they, they had a great, great fall. I mean, fall season was fantastic. I think they might have even been in the top ten a few times throughout the fall season. Um Slid a little bit. I mean, and, and that's typical sometimes of teams that have to deal with winners. Um, but, yeah, they slipped a little bit. So, honestly, I mean, I, I, I don't know if a lot of people would have expected them to get through based on how they were playing um, this spring. So, like I said, nice to see them get through. And uh, the, the, the job Jamie Burmo continues to do there is, is, uh, is good. And, uh, and, and Arizona was, you know, wow. Well, you know, that, that's a, that, that was a kind of a, a big deal. I think – it's been a long time since Arizona had won a regional, uh, a long <laughs> time. And uh, for them to, to do that was really impressive. On the individual side, we had Joe Highsmith of Pepperdine picking up the win over his teammate, William Mao. So, obviously, Pepperdine 
continuing their really solid play throughout the year. And it's good to see them or Joe pick up the win there in Texas. Our next regional that we'll focus on is at down at PGA national in Palm beach guards, Florida, five teams advancing was a very hot Vanderbilt team finishing taking the win at 20 under par over Florida state at eight under third is another Florida team being the Gators of Florida Fourth, continuing the Florida trend, is the University of South Florida and grabbing the last spot, College of Charleston, showing up at the finals for the second time in program history, I believe, and first time since 2001. Burson, what do you think about the Commodores of Vanderbilt picking up another win and continuing the spring where they've only lost to one opponent all spring? I mean, they're so deep, you know. I mean, they've got guys at home that – have, have played a lot of golf. You know, they've got guys in this lineup, Harrison Ott, who's been in and out of the lineup. I mean, I, I think Scott's got the ability to really kind of plug and go depending on, uh, you know, probably what they're doing at home for qualifying. So um, they're, they're really, really impressive. Uh, and, you know, I, they're going to have to be one of the favorites, I would think, uh, you know, going out there, uh, you know, so uh, strong team, really deep team, and um, they're 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 really good. Hard hard to say anything else about them. You've got uh, Notre Dame fi- finishing ninth. Ringler, did that come as a surprise to you? Yeah, I think so. I mean, obviously they had a, had a the number three seed, top top fifteen team in the country, and anytime a team like that misses, it's a bit of a surprise. But again, I mean. You know, it's it, the, the, those teams in the north have to deal with things, and maybe they're not always on top of their games the way they should be, and maybe that played in, into the into the situation a little bit. But yeah, definitely a little bit of a, a surprise for them to not make it through. And and uh, but yeah, it, you know that was one where we saw two teams outside the top five get through, and and um, it just goes to show you that you know that's why we have to play these regionals because you know nine seeds can make it. You know they they do get through occasionally. And uh, so it's exciting. Coach Gregor, what, what do you think it says when you had three teams from the state of Florida making it through in that regional, obviously being down there in the heat of Palm Beach Gardens, Florida, mid to late May, playing on type of course where you've got a lot of water hazards, firm greens, Bermuda, you got some grain. What's your, what's your take on that, Coach? Well, I think the biggest thing is – for the amount of time that they've spent in the sun in Florida, their skin is acclimated the best to the amount of vitamin D that all the other teams are getting from the sun. And it's just a no brainer. It would have been interesting if, I mean, you had it had a North Florida there as well, or maybe if, uh, if, if with the change in the, in the Norman regional hosting would uh, maybe uh, Florida Gulf coast, how would they have fared up here instead of in Columbus? So, um, yeah, I definitely think playing as close as possible to your home turf um, is is what you want, and I think it's the stats show that. Um, but what I want to talk about, Painter, because I know you're not going to shed the light on it, but there was a Mercer Bears van spotted in the parking lot down there at Palm Beach. Um, and I did see that our social media team at AGT tweeted out a um, picture of pins in, I think that was the second round, down there talk just a little bit about how hard that course was playing all those pins tucked 
and Burson touched on a little bit just with the junior golfers, um, how they can look at this and see um, what you have to do at this level. Yeah, well, I think, you know, after, you know, for being, in, you know, inside the rope, so to speak, down there, the, the pins that were used at this regional was days two, three, and four of the Honda Classic on the PGA Tour. And by taking those pins and moving them to this time of year, you know, these greens are hard, as in firm, and the greens were very fast this week. And so it created a challenge into some of these pins were in some spots that just made the course real hard to make some birdie putts if you weren't a Vanderbilt Commodore. But, um, you know, for everybody else, you, you had to play real defensive, and it was a good test of championship golf and allowed uh, for a great regional. But when you see those pin sheets, man, those things were tucked, and there was nothing really more than four to five paces off the edge. And even if it was five paces, it didn't seem like it just by the way the – the cut of the green was, but uh, it allowed for some really tough scoring conditions. How was pace of play, Painter? It wasn't too bad. It was around 445 every day. And uh, there wasn't really ever a spot that you had to hold up. I think in the second round, we had a, maybe just a one group hold up on hole 17. But since I was there with an individual, we were off in the final rave off one every day. So we obviously had more people in front of us. I do think it was maybe a shot or two um, advantage to go early every day because the wind would kick up a little bit more in the afternoon. Weather really wasn't a factor down there at this regional. It could have been. We didn't have any rain. But just as the days got on, and it was really hot and humid, but it kind of you kind of made it feel like those greens started to dry out a whole lot come after 12 noon each day. And even the area just off the greens were so barren and dry. But uh, um, pace of play was good. Interesting, the bear, the bear trap. Um, maybe that was the – was it the the reason being behind the wind that y'all got? That I mean, the bear, bear trap, some guys got out of there a little uh, unscathed. Yeah, I think that the wind we got was a little bit more of a, a westerly wind, which is a little bit more – kind to the players on the bear trap instead of having to hit straight into the wind specifically on on holes 15 and 17 where it's just a forced carry over a hazard you were going maybe with some crosswind some of it was downwind for a lot of the players the only time really had a win into you was on round three on 17 and uh it did cause some players to make some doubles looking back at some scorecards but uh, really didn't play as tough on the bear trap that it could have been. And it really could have created some carnage if uh, the wind would have blown the more prevalent direction and we, and we had some weather. But uh, great resort, good setup. You didn't have to commute to the course, so we didn't have the issue of ballet pulling the bands around like they did in Norman. On the uh, individual side, you had Brett Roberts of Florida State shooting a 67 in the final round to take the individual title over Reed Davenport of Vanderbilt and Fred Biondi of Florida. So big win by Brett Roberts and the Seminoles who Seminoles who really played their way back into it in the second round with the 279 because they were uh, out of it after round one, but they played solid to come back in. Ringler, any, any takeaways from the Palm Beach Garden Regionals that caught your eye? 
No, I mean, it, I, I no, I think that I mean Vanderbilt. Obviously, uh, it seems like if Oklahoma State was having that type of spring, I think we would be everyone would be talking about how and how good they are. And I think the Vanderbilt's not getting the attention they probably deserve. I mean, they only have lost to one team. Well, you know, Ringler, when you think back of dominant teams, you know, you think of the Cal team that had Max yeah. Homa and those guys. Did I wonder how many teams they lost to that spring heading into the national championship. I forget, but was it just one tournament they didn't win or did they win every tournament in the spring leading they, up to nationals? I think they well, they only lost two all year, right? So I'd have to go back and look. But I, I think that's more of a, you know, that was carried over from the fall. So you had that whole break to talk about the winning streak, and then they kept winning tournaments. Vanderbilt obviously didn't have the – their fall didn't match their spring. Um, and, I, I mean, to, I just think it's it, – they have to be the favorite going to – they have to be the favorite. I mean, the, the, going to Greyhawk with, with the spring they've had, winning that regional – what they shoot twenty under down at the on the at PJ National and won by what fourteen or something like that. Yes. So yeah, I mean, you know, it's just an incredible job, and you know, just you know, to quote Scott Limbaugh, we're just getting better every day and doing it the Vanderbilt way. Hey, they're just trying to be the best version of them of themselves that they can. So just climbing that ladder. <laughs> well, let's let's take it out to the final regional out in Stockton, California where we had Arizona State picking up a win over their conference foe, the Cardinal of Stanford, Brigham Young at third, Oregon at fourth, Liberty grabbing the final spot there at fifth over LSU and sixth, LSU just missing out by two. Person, what's your take on uh, Arizona State and Stanford and Oregon all from the Pac-12 getting through out there in, in Cali? Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's shocking. Probably a golf course that a lot of their players have played. Um, and, you know, as you can see in the, in the course stats, I mean, the golfers uh, didn't play overly difficult. Uh, stroke average was 71 there, I believe, in the third round. So, you know, there were a ton of birdies made. I mean, those those teams traditionally are really strong uh, in the Pac-12. So, uh, you know, a little surprised to see Washington not play better. Um obviously had a, a good year. They were ranked very high. Um, and, you know, a always a tough deal for an SEC team to get sent west. Um, so, you know, LSU kind of got the raw end of that deal. But, um, you know, Arizona State's good, really good, and uh, not surprising to see them play well. Awesome for Liberty to get through there in that fifth spot. Taking the individual championship was Carson Lindell of Brigham Young. So congrats to Carson having a good year. Currently at 55th in the golf stat rankings. And he and his team will be out there at Greyhawk. And obviously Lance with Brigham Young making the championship. With the way the championship falls on the calendar, does it pose any scheduling conflicts on a Sunday out there for how championship week falls? That's a good question. I, we haven't uh, – in years past, we they haven't played. They had to do some some different stuff. I'm not sure. I hadn't even thought about that. So You, you know, because wasn't it one year where they had to play their practice round on a different day? Or well, they played, played they round played one. Their, they played their first round, I thought, <laughs> That's right. on 
on a or no, they play their round. Oh, I know, I remember how it works. Yeah, don't they play their round three on the practice round day? Yep. In the afternoon, I, I mean, I, I don't know how that's going to work. Or maybe that's the, what I, the women did Oregon. Yeah, it's yeah, and then they yeah, so they have a score posted for round three. They'll play it at round three whole locations and whatnot. So, yeah, I think that's how they did it. So will will the holes for round three, Fraser? I don't know if you know. Will they already be cut during the practice round? I thought that they cut them after the practice round. They cut them uh, while the girls went out, and you know the girls went out and you know singles like ten minutes apart, and they yeah. flew around that course. Well, Man. the other thing though that the girls are twenty four teams, guys thirty teams. That's that's going to be a challenge. Yeah. Uh, that's going to be yeah i hadn't even i hadn't even asked any questions on that or thought but yeah that's going to be interesting hey I, I figured it out we send our five van drivers that aren't coaching out there to play <laughs> as markers with the byu in that round get them a little action yeah we'll have mark gainer be one we know he he has clubs and he's willing to tee it up everywhere what other four we got going out there to Greyhawk to be markers <laughs> who we got right it'd be it, It'd be hot with the hoodie. I don't know if Gainer could. I mean, <laughs> he, he'd cut the sleeves off to, that thing. He'd be fine. He'd have to go. He'd have to go full bell check and cut the sleeves off. Yeah. I mean, it just are we going to are we going to make them enjoy it and have a nice round, or are we trying to like beat them like the guy at the map usually does? Well, <laughs> you know, I think we'll go go a mix of both. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you got to you got to since Tennessee's staying home, you got to throw Bo Andrews in there. He'll go get us one point on the board. That's true. That's true. <laughs> I mean, Gainer might have the mixed member guest Twilight Nine Hole Club Championship at Palmetto. He's probably busy. He, I okay. He and former van driver Todd. Um, oh shoot, I'm I got like every Todd last Todd Satterfield will be teeing it up this week. I'll have to report back in the South Carolina uh, match play. So I'll, I'll report back on that. We'd have to throw in uh, Justin Terrace. Tereshenko at uh, Bellerman in there. He still plays a lot. He'd be a good good three man on the team that week. I mean, we, we can't forget Smalley, right? Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, Smalley's in there. <laughs> He's got to have some money to play for, though. That's right. <laughs> hey, an- another another note that I think is worth talking about is is Arizona State. I mean, one, one interesting stat I dug up on Matt Thurman. He's taken a team now, I believe, in his 18 years as a head coach, he's taken a team to the finals 15 times. Now, the interesting thing about that is, is he was 9 for 11 in doing so at Washington. And Washington has not made the finals since he left. So that's wow. six years now Washington is 0 for 6 on getting to the finals. So that just kind of speaks to the kind of coach and the job he did at Washington. Now, granted, people expect, kind of expect Arizona State to get there every year, maybe a miss here and there. So him going, what, six for six at Arizona State, probably not a, a big deal. But, you know, nine of 11 at Washington, I believe, and now 15 of, of 18 or something like that overall in his career. Um, so it's, it's numbers similar to that, but they're pretty, pretty remarkable. And then for them to go in and win that regional, I think it needs to be mentioned. No doubt. I think, you know, he's had such a great, great success is that maybe we need to look at having him be a Ryder Cup <laughs> coach. Don't get me started on that. You know, if, if we could put Mark Hankins and uh, Thurman together, it might be the dream team of coaches <laughs> for a Ryder Cup. 
what, what, why can't we just have one be an assistant captain? What, what would be wrong with that to start with? No doubt. I mean, they already know how to drive vans around. Yeah. You could have two of them. They could drive the team to and through for the, you know, the housing that week. Well, if we remember correctly, maybe, what, 10, 20 years ago? I don't even know if, if they really – if they had captains. And then all of a sudden, we, you know, got one and two. What do we got now, like five captains? Well, hey, you know, if you're a captain of the Ryder Cup, the, really the only loop you could get thrown is like, you know, Justin Thomas wakes up, you know, for his singles match, and he says, hey, captain – I left my Navy pants at home. Know. You know, those guys don't know how to handle those issues. Beach, oh. a guy like Thurman, he's got it covered. He's got yep. an extra pair of 32-32s sitting right there in his, his bag. Yep. And he says, hey, JT, no worries. I got it right here. It's already ironed. You're good. <laughs> you know, those are the type of issues that yeah. you got to know how to handle. Exactly. <laughs> so, Ringler, you're already on site out there at Greyhawk. Watching the uh, women's championship, are you able to give us a little report of uh, how it's shaken down so far? Well, I played I played the golf course a month ago. When okay, I was out here, and uh, it's I mean, the thing that got me the most is how thick the the rough is. I mean, they, the grass is thick, and wow. uh, I expect you know by the time we get to the women uh, or get to the men, you know, they it, it's even going to be it's going to be more. Uh, <laughs> more plush for everyone but yeah it's just i remember i think the i think the rough's going to be you're going to have some cases some instances where it's going to be penalizing i think you're going to you know you're not going to be able to control your ball very well you might have to wedge it out so i think uh that's going to be the that you know that's going to be a big defense for the golf course once the men get here now we're england we had 12 schools send both a women's team and, and also going to send the men's team qualifying for the national championship do you think that is an advantage for those programs who will be able to have their women's team report back to how it's playing? Uh, absolutely. I think there, there's, there can be something there. Um, how much, I don't know, but there's no doubt, especially, you know, a program like, you know, Florida state that has, you know, Trey Jones, who's the director of golf. I'm, I'm sure, you know, he'll have his pulse on it a little bit more so than maybe, some of the other programs, but yeah, I think there, there, there's definitely can be something there and, and uh, that, that could be of assistance to the men for sure. Is, is the transfer topic in women's golf as it is in men with some of the women's players playing postseason in the portal? Frazier, you hear anything about that? Uh, a take on the portal come this time of year in college golf? Yeah, you know, I do not personally hear a lot on from the women's side um, as much, so I I can't really find a good answer for that. Bert, what's your talk? Yeah, I mean, I think it's I, I've I've heard of a couple, um, you know, kids on the girls' side that are kind of testing the waters a little bit. Um, you know, I think a couple things I heard this week, kind of unrelated, uh, these people to each other was. You know, the, the, some of these parents that are really interested in making sure that coaching staffs know, listen, you know, commitment is an important part of how we raise our kids and we don't want our kids transferring. And we want you to know that as a coach that we're locked in for you. Um, you know, I thought that was interesting. That runs parallel with, we had coaches at, at the D one and D two level, you know, the last two weeks in postseason who left kids at home that were going to transfer. So Kind of two interesting uh, ships kind of passing in the night there, but uh, it'll be interesting if this changes the dynamic of this whole process. We had uh, 
Zach Byers from Garner Webb qualifies an individual out of the Palm Beach Gardens Regional to make it to Greyhawk. He's in the portal. It'll be interesting to watch him perform at Greyhawk to see if that improves his stock. Maybe he knows where he'll be landing come Greyhawk week, or maybe he'll still be talking to a lot of schools. Coach Gregor, what's your take on uh, players that are still in the portal and they'll be playing at Greyhawk? Well, I mean, what a great opportunity for those other coaches that are there with individuals to see them in the practice round. <laughs> but um, I do think that uh, I'm, I've been following the portal. And to be honest, it's a, it's a little bit slower than I think we saw this time last year. Um, and you just wonder, is that because – the portal slowing down. More people are going in at a different time. Um, I think there is a lot of at the D1 level. It seems to be a lot of players entering that are following coaching changes. So their coaches leaves and people get on there, or 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 something to that nature. So next year is the last year that the COVID year will really be in effect. As in the 2019s will be seniors, but then they'll still have a COVID year or a graduate year next year. So it just it'll be interesting to see this portal as a whole. Does it slow down or does it still, um, are, are the, are the, where, where does the transfer fall? Because the grad transfer should be shifting unless there's any type of um, unexpected uh, eligibility issues, or is it going to be after two years or after one year? Just how, do, I think it's going to slow down a little bit on the golf, uh, just as in anything, these coaches, learn to adapt and some of them are adapting to the portal both on the defense side and the offense side. So uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see. Well, sure. and we've got, and we've got coaches, you know, that have been accepted offers to move other places. You know, we, we don't wait till those are announced to comment on those situations, but it'll be interesting to see if we have kids trickling in the portal from these places before those hires are announced. Could be kind of an interesting situation here. 10 days absolutely yeah it's kind of i think from a coaching standpoint it's do you do you go after what's out there on the portal or do you sit back to 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 take that risk until july 1 when the portal deadline is and and see what happens because somebody will hit big sitting on it if they're the only team that has money come when someone goes on late and um, the other ones that go that jump early just have to make sure they're jumping on the right opportunities. Well, well, Ringler, um, maybe eventually we'll have uh, good news about uh, an NIT tournament that we'll be able to talk to talk about in college golf. But we look forward to all of your reports for the women's championship this week, and all the tweets and all the coverages of. Uh, the women's championship going on for sure i think uh one thing i want i want to mention that we got to give a former van driver andrew sap some love don't we absolutely qualified for the senior open how awesome is that it's it's unreal it's awesome yeah he's a good good to see there's a lot of passengers that are a lot safer now that he's out of the state of north carolina because he's definitely mowed down a few in the match play in this section (laughs) <laughs> so well, and i think he's still a volunteer volunteer van driver i saw him repping the ball state bag in the picture so yep 
still got his hand in there a little bit. Well, well, Frazier, we'll need you to make sure the computer's ready to crunch all the numbers when the men start teeing it up uh, for the individual tallies at Greyhawk, and we'll have our eyes on that. Yeah, I think the PGA Tour, you guys are going to be uh, all over that on the, on the broadcast. So you hopefully you can be watching the broadcast, and when someone misses a putt, they'll like, "Ooh, they just fell to seven. <laughs> and they're going to have some movement. It, it'll be fun this year. Monday Monday's going to be uh, interesting, not just to see who wins the national t- title, the individual. Oh yeah. In, any other uh, things that before we wrap this up? Any other things we need to shed some light on that, that we haven't covered? I mean, what are our PGA picks, guys? What do we got? Man, it's, it's kind of hard. Um, I, I didn't watch much of it today, but the way Rory looked yesterday, it's going to be hard to not have your money riding on that guy, right? I'll tell you what I did see yesterday, and uh, this is a whole new level of searching around the green. Matthew Fitzpatrick was pitching cross-handed. Ooh. So... <laughs> I'll leave you with that. Fun little fact, Ringler, you may remember Riviera, uh, Oregon played Texas. I know this because Robbie Ziegler worked for me. Yep. Robbie and Dan Mernicki both were pitching cross-handed yep. in the national semifinals at Riviera. And I remember that. Yeah. How terrifying is that on, on the, <laughs> that greeny grass? <laughs> they might- well, well, well- yeah. Welch will be pitching cross-handed at a Greyhawk. <laughs> every shot. Yeah, well, every shot's cross-handed. You will not miss right. <laughs> <laughs> well, fellas, I appreciate you guys hopping along for the ride tonight. It's been a fun ride wrapping up all these regionals. I know we'll have a lot to talk about when play begins in Greyhawk on the men's side. We'll look forward to covering the women's Division One National Championship with our man on the ground, Lance Wrangler. Wrangler, thanks for joining us. And Frazier, thank you for the insight. Thanks, guys. Yep, thank you. And Burson and Coach Gregor, thank you guys for hopping in and sharing all your knowledge of the college game. It's been another episode of AGT Live. Thank you to you guys for joining us. And thank you for tuning into this episode. Make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcast. And we look forward to seeing you on the road soon in college golf. Till then, take care.